Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another masterful episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. And today we have a very special guest with us. He hosts the popular YouTube channel, How to Be a Great GM, weekly advice on improving your role-playing game. Started in 2009, the channel now boasts over 200,000 subscribers with total views standing at over 23 million. His channel includes content such as advice for GMs and players with role-playing, tactics, live plays, tutorials on map creation and world building, interviews, game design, and much more. One of his series on the channel is GM Training Grounds, which I've been on, where he gives advice directly to a GM who runs a game for him and five guest players. His most popular videos include creating the ultimate villain, top five ultimate GM mistakes, how to run your first game, 10 ways to deal with murder hobos, and with 442,000 views, 15 irritating things other players do, player (laughs) character tips. He is also a writer and designer in his own right, having written supplements for Dungeons and Dragons 5e, including nautical and epic campaigns, as well as his own diceless RPG system called Bounty Hunter. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only guy. Woo woo! Hello, everybody. What an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> well, it's well deserved. Um, yeah, we're both big fans of your channel. We'll try not to to fan too hard on you. Well, but uh, no promises. Got to be true to ourselves, right? Right. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. If you can't nerd Um, out here, where can you nerd out? So, uh, yeah. uh, Just to kind of get started, we want to, this is a question, you know, we often ask anybody um, and everybody that, that comes on, which is how did you get into this? You know, what is the, what is the origin? What's the backstory? Uh, getting yeah. into not just YouTubing, but like, you know, role playing in general. And okay. you kind of mentioned that a little bit in your latest video, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, to role playing in general, I think that was just something that um, I, I discovered by, by chance, a friend of mine was busy working on a character sheet and I, I really wanted to know what he was doing. And uh that kind of led me into the whole role-playing space. And um, our first GM was his brother, and his brother was a very strict GM, uh, calendars, that kind of stuff. And, and Ooh, um, Wow. Yeah, and I played a spellcaster, and this was second edition uh, Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons, and I, ha- I had to know all of the spells personally as the player because I was not allowed to read what the, the, the spells were. So yeah, I had to hand them, write them out. Oh. This was, this was so back, back. So, so, so far in the past that I don't think the internet was even legal yet in my home country. Um, <laughs> so there was no downloading of the spell lists and, and I, I, you know, this was handwriting. Check the SRD. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where it started. And, and the GM, he made some critical mistakes, which, to this day, I think we still talk about it, which is now almost 30 years later. Are you um, still in touch with him? Uh, not with the GM, but we are in touch um, as, as the original group. I was very fortunate mm. that the friends I had in, in junior school, I, I've kept all the way through into adult life. Um, That's very been, cool. 
Yeah, it's been a privilege to know these guys. And um, yeah, we still talk about it. We, we were going to build an amazing thing and then the GM took it away because he had his story and his plans and he was damned oh, yeah. what the players were going to do. You know? So that, that, that inspired me. And then Thacko was the other major element as to why I wanted to become a GM. Um, those of you that don't remember Thacko or don't know Thacko, it was a an inverse mathematical calculation to work out what you needed to roll on the D20 in order to hit an armor class. And uh, I don't think I still understand it to this day. So (laughs) I was like, if I'm the GM, I can just make up the number they have to hit and I don't have to do the maths. So that was a really easy, easy step for me was to, to step into that space. And I, of course I love telling stories and things. So, I um, want to be a GM so that my life with this game will be easier. I yes, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know what? I'm I'm busy working on 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 a new project, and mm. I, I look back and 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 when you write stuff out and you're trying to explain it to people, and this is what I love about running a channel is that when you're trying to explain something to somebody else, you first have to understand it yourself. Yeah. And oftentimes we take for granted what we we think we know until you start interrogating it. You're going, well, why am I actually saying that that is what it should be? Where does that mm. come from? Um, and I have realized that I think, you know, there are other GMs out there and there's a very good GM out there, the lazy GM, um, who gives Mike great Shea. advice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, I go, I, you know what? I actually think that's the key. That's the real key. And, and cause you always give the most work to the laziest person cause they'll find the easiest way of doing it. Right. And the fastest way of doing it. So that's a great uh, perspective. Yeah. Uh, so a lot it's of my advice is on feature. how not to work. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bug. It's a feature. I like Perfect. It. Um, yeah. And then, you know, jumping into the YouTube space, I, I worked in television, um, for most of my, my official career life. Um, so I kind of had the, the, the technology to be able to do the recording of the videos and that sort of thing briefly anyway. Um, and I mainly just made the channel for, for local players in my, my local gaming space, uh, which in South Africa was not a big space anyway. Mm. And it was just to try and encourage people to say, well, just because you are not, uh, you don't think you're a great GM doesn't mean that you are not a great GM. And uh, you know, I, I sort of said, well, what sets me apart from somebody else? Uh, because at that stage, I was I was sort of winning competitive GMing games and stuff at local conventions. Mm. Um, and it was like, well, what sets me apart? And to be absolutely honest with you, the only thing that I could find was the fact that I had spent three years at university studying storytelling as a scriptwriter for television. Um, and could see some parallels between script writing for a feature film or, or writing a novel and role-playing as a, as a DM. And what I, again, something that is a major um, reward for me doing the channel is that that was my sort of thinking on the YouTube channel for at least four or five years, I think. Even Epic Campaigns, the first book I wrote, was based on that script writing thinking. And about two years ago, I was like, hang on a moment. There's a different way of doing this. It's still using some of that knowledge, but it's a completely different way of looking at it. So let's try and doing it this way. Mm. And then very recently, I've had another sort of gear shift in my mind going, well, actually, 
those have all just been giant stepping stones to get us to a new point. And if you understand the new point, well, if you understand the stepping stones, then you can get to a new point where you really shouldn't be planning massive amounts of stuff. Well, depending on your group, of course, but yeah. So, So I've always been on this journey of how to make GMing as easy as possible um, by making uh, the, the, the least amount of work possible, um, which is ironic considering that it will take my entire life to actually get to that point. So I may be missing my own, my own message. <laughs> well, you- well, there's, there's definitely an organic, you know, method with that. Like we all learn over time. We change our philosophy, you know, we, we change our GM styles. So that's by the way, that's one of my favorite videos of yours is like the different types of GMs. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I think you said you're a narrator. Yeah. And do you think that's still true? Do you think that's still the case? Yeah. Um, Uh, Well, this is, it's a very interesting question uh, from the perspective of, I think in a home game around a table. Yes, I definitely would be. mm. But as, as a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do. And and, and it's just, it's just the burden that I have to bear and I shouldn't complain about it. But (laughs) uh, in terms of running games on a stream, a lot of a lot of the work that I do for those stream games is is literally because of the audience. Right. So a lot of the map making stuff I do and used to make maps for my own home games, but not nearly to the level of detail or uh, to to the amount of of information that I was putting onto those maps. Um, you know, and and using VTTs and that sort of thing again there are companies out there that want us to use the software. It makes life easy for a lot of people. It really, really does. Mm-hmm. For me, as someone who doesn't really care about distances and I'm much more theater of the mind, for me, it's it's a case of going, well, I, I am a narrative GM, but now because of, of, of my career and, and what I'm trying to do and show people how to run these games, I actually become a little bit more of, of a um, simulationist or a, a planner where I'm trying to work out, okay, if they're using this map, this is where they're going to go. And I'm going to put tokens here and, 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 and that sort of thing just because right. of the stream. So you have to treat those different situations differently. I mean, that makes sense. Like yeah. at what point did you realize, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm onto something like this channel is, is popping, you know, like what, what was that moment? Like it was a surreal moment. I can tell you because I had recorded two videos, I believe, the very first two videos that I had done. My partner helped me record them, and uh, we put them up, and, and yeah, we shared them with our local community, but we didn't do anything beyond that. We were too, you know, just in South Africa, no one was going to pay attention to us in the rest of the world. And somebody posted a link to the video on Reddit, and uh, overnight- that's it. Overnight, we had two and a half thousand subscribers suddenly jump oh, onto the channel. Holy moly. Um, yeah. And I mean, going from like 300 subscribers, 400 subscribers, it was this mega jump. And what really did it for me, and I, I continues to this day, as a matter of fact, doesn't matter how big we get and, and that sort of thing, it, uh, are the comments of people going, oh my goodness, this has helped me so much. I've suddenly realized yeah. how to do this, or I've suddenly, you've just helped me uh, understand what I've been doing all along, but now I know it as a process. So it's now even better for me or I get more reward out of it. Uh, and, and that is definitely what kept me going. You know, I have always tried to at least read every comment on the videos that we release. Um, mm. And sometimes that's not possible. Like, 
you know, videos get suddenly a thousand comments and it's like, well, this is going to take me days just to, to read through it all. Unfortunately. Um, but uh, do you read through them all? You read through all the comments. If, if there are less than sort of 300 or so, I definitely (laughs) try to, to do it. Um, you'll know that I have read it because usually if I agree with you, I'll give you a little heart. Uh, that's the one, the one thing. If I don't agree with you, but I still feel that you have a valid point, I'll give you a tick. Uh, because I firmly believe all of our different styles and the different ways that we play this this game, I might say it should be free form and 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 uh, don't worry about the math. I know that for me is fine, but for someone who is a tactician or someone who likes the numbers, they're going to look at that and go, "Well, that's complete rubbish." We we right. the numbers are there for a reason, so they'll pay, they'll make a comment about that, and I agree those numbers are there, and that game is absolutely as valid as mine. So that's why they get a tick. Um, I don't just uh, ignore them. So I do desperately try and read it, every comment. Have you ever gotten to a place where um, when you were reading the comments, if it was, you know, a bunch of negative feedback or, you know, a, a lot of folks who are content creators, you know, some of them have a basically give themselves a rule where they're like, I don't read the comments. Because a lot of times, especially with just the way internet culture can be behind the anonymity and everything, there can be just a massive amount of vitriol and just, you know, unhelpful and unconstructive negativity. Um, it, I, I imagine after all the videos that you've made and some of them being a little more controversial and stuff like that, although you're not trying to be controversial on for the sake of it, but, um, have, have you, I'm sure you've run into those kind of situations with the comments and stuff. And how do you, how do you move past those things and kind of keep yourself positive and still wanting to do what you do? Um, well, um, for that, the best answer is you make sure that you have a very good business partner Mm. Uh, or a very close person to you who can politely remind you that you don't need to go and stand in front of a bus. Um, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's very the, helpful. It's, it is at one point, you know, um, once the, the YouTube channel had been going for about a year or so, or maybe a bit less than that, I, I, I got in uh, a business partner to come and help with the, the, the finances and the website and all that, the, the web goblin, as everyone knows him. Sure. Um, and at one point he banned me from reading comments. He's like, he will read the comments and I'm just not allowed to read them because they were affecting me so badly. Mm. Um, you know, and, and even to this day, I've, I've learned now that if people are writing comments, it means that either they are, they're, they're trolling, they're angling to try and get some kind of attention or, and, and those are the sad ones. Those are the ones that I can't do anything about. Or these are people who are so passionate about what they believe to be true that they want to voice it because they feel it has validity to it. So I will try and read all of the comments. And and when you get to those negative comments where it talks about uh, attitude or disagrees flat out, those are the ones where I go, okay, let me read this. Let me understand where they're coming from because that that can only help me become a better person to understand uh, opposing viewpoints and things. But I mean, I have had people tell me that uh, my eyebrows are too small. I look like a fat <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, oh that was my favorite one. Yeah, oh. I, I, ac- I accidentally shaved because I have a beard, and um, good for I, I you. To do- 
yeah, no, that will never happen again. Um, it, it, ask any bearded man if when when you when you shave that first time, there's a feeling of being naked. It's oh, really I, weird. I never will. My uh. wife has never seen my chin, um, and I'm going to keep it that way. I'm pretty right? sure I'd terrify myself. <laughs> Who, who's the stranger in the mirror? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I made sure I uh, went through incrementally in front of my children so as to not terrify them. <laughs> right, um, absolutely. Stranger in yeah. the house. <laughs> um, somebody broke in. My girls were, were teasing me and pulling on it and stuff. So it was great. Right. Yeah, it's okay when, when, when family do that and friends do that, you know. But when you have complete strangers, it, it can be very, very soul-destroying. And I think that it is something you have to learn to, to just deal with. Because it is going to happen, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Mm. Um, you know, the best advice I was ever told is that okay, so you've had ten thousand people watch your video, and you've had five people tell you that they don't like you and that you should stop. So mm. you're going to stop for those five people rather than the ten thousand people who, yeah. you know. So that that's very good advice. I think. Yeah, it's uh, it, it sounds ridiculous when they put it like that. It's like, oh, of course I'm not, right? Right. Yeah, right. but I, I I understand how you feel about that. Not necessarily running right off your back. That's not easy for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know. But let's let's kind of change gears a little bit. Um, you know, <laughs> not to not to get too philosophical necessarily, but what do these games kind of mean to you? You know, again, kind of like after watching your the video you posted yesterday about inclusion. You know, I kind of got this this vulnerable side of you that um, we we don't see quite as often uh, on the on the show, right? And uh, I wanna I wanna kind of dive into that. Like, you you got into this hobby, you've you've made it into a career. You know, what is it? What do, what is this? Is this just a way to have fun, or is it something more? It's a very very good question, and the more I've been thinking about it, the more I realize that. Um, my whole life, and I know this, this, this may sound trivial, but my whole life, I've been told by people around me that I uh, am a storyteller and I create these crazy fantasy stories and, and, you know, that's what people said I should do. And I'll never forget my grandmother. She always used to say, oh, you should take your silly stories and write them down. Someone will pay you money for it. Um, you know, so, so. That that wasn't ever the intention um, when I started the channel was to make money. That 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 should be clear. But the role playing for me, it arrived at a time personally when my whole family uh, was going through an incredibly bad time. My my father had divorced my mother, and it was absolutely tumultuous for all of us. And it was with me every step of my my. Um, growing up life. And I remember uh, when I went off to university, it was the first time I had ever been on my own as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 18-year-old. Wow. <laughs> and yet I had role-playing. That was still a constant. I could find my group. Um, that helped yeah. me to, to, to accept who I was as a person, to be able to come out and, and, and be free to be who I was. And then even when I, I moved to Japan and didn't speak Japanese and I felt incredibly alone, the one thing that allowed me to connect with other people in Japan was, again, role-playing. Mm. And now it doesn't matter where I go in the world, I kind of have like this, this 
I don't want to say protection, but I have this space that I know, hey, role-playing exists anywhere you go. And it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your background is. It is something that if you are a role player, you're going to get other role players. It's so it's a, it's a remarkable thing from from that perspective, um, and from a personal perspective as well. I've I have changed so much as being able to to run my games and to to explore ideas that are in my head, but also to see other people play the same game. It is it is one of the most remarkable things that we as humans can do. A bunch of people sit around telling each other imaginary stories that have no reality whatsoever. And yet in 20 years time, their eyes will still sparkle when they remember back to that event that never happened, but that they, they spoke about. It's something else. And be able to, to get joy from that. I mean, how it's, it's amazing. We can make other people happy by just making up stuff, you know, and it's going <laughs> to yeah. be real. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. I love that. that. And that's very true. Like we, I think we all have had similar experience where we go to someplace new and we can make friends. Yeah. Like we can, we can connect with human beings this way. I, I basically met my wife through role-playing games. Right. Mm. Uh, I met Andrew yep. because of role-playing games. We were roommates in college. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was really cool. And uh, you know, it, he's pretty cool too. You will think, <laughs> you know, I, my wife would probably vehemently disagree, but, um, you know, <laughs> oh, wow. just watch me dance and it's, it, nobody <laughs> needs to see that. Um, but yeah, like it, it sounds like role-playing was kind of your port in the storm, you know, like yeah. it's always that place that's even if everything else is upside down or sideways, you're like, this is a place I can go to where I know my way around, where I I understand the rules here and it's it can be kind of a stabilizer or like you said with moving to Japan you know you could be in this place that's completely unfamiliar to you in so many ways and role playing kind of can help ground you and stabilize you and make you feel like you've got you know something to hang on to yeah absolutely I, it is one of the few places where you are in control mm uh, you know, because yes, you control the entire universe. So you can, you can make good things happen and bad things happen. Mm. Um, you know, I've often wondered why I have never sympathized with the good, with the good characters in television and, and film and, and that sort of thing. I have always rooted for the evil guys. Really? Um, <laughs> always. Skeletor was my, was my, uh, role model almost in my formative years. And then it was Shredder and, uh, just oh, sort yeah. of move up the list, um, as you go. And I've often sort of thought, well, what the hell is wrong with me that I want to, I, I like the bad guys. Yeah. And I, think I have the two, reason actually. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, and, and it does feel weird. What in the world? But yeah. I, I always wanted to see what would happen if they won because right. like you always know the Ninja Turtles are going to kick the tar out of Shredder. And it's like, I right. wonder what it would be like if he actually achieved his dreams and he went out right. there and just took the world by storm. What would that look like? <laughs> A hellscape, I'm sure. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, that what, what villains have always done 
is they have actually gone after their dreams. Mm. I know it sounds perverse, but if you think about it, the bad guy is the one who's willing to do the, I will blow up the world to make myself happy. I'm not going to sit around and be miserable and complain about life. I'm, I'm going to, you know, kill orphans and, and eat dolphin for dinner. Uh, but I am doing something about it. So it's I, called I think being that, proactive. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, <laughs> but it's also about being in control and in, in charge, I think. Whereas the, the good guys are very seldom in charge or in control anyway. They, they're mm. always reacting to the bad guys. So I think being a DM is, is a, just a natural step forward where it's like, well, you literally, you can be the bad guy. Um, but in this case, you are the best bad guy because you, you are going to lose against the players, hopefully against the player characters. Mm. Yeah, there's this weird thing where we, we we absolutely love to be these characters. I mean, we both relish, Andrew and I, being our respective villains for our campaigns. Oh, Even though you know, down the line, it does all come to an end. And, and in a weird way, you're rooting against yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you exactly. think it's going to come to an end. You're in Barovia. <laughs> There's never an end. <laughs> Yeah, Andrew's enjoying tormenting me with the Strahd these days. It's so fun. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, so when when you do get to be a player, I assume you get to play sometimes. Um, do you? I, you know, do you uh, get to play? I guess that's the first question. Do yeah, you that, ever get to play this game? <laughs> I, I do get to play one shot every now and again if I get invited onto someone's show to play. But, um, I, and of course, in training grounds, I get to be a yep. player every week. Although right. yes. that's not, I, I wouldn't say that that is playing in in the sense of right. I'm not digging into the character and, mm. and building that character over a series of adventures. Um, so so I, I dip my toe in playing from time to time. Yeah. Do you do you just prefer not to do it? I mean, I know a huge part of it is just you're busy, but is it like, no, DMing is just better. I would just prefer to do that. A lot of it has to do with personal frustration more than mm. anything else. Um, as a DM, obviously, I have in my head how things should should work. And as a storyteller and someone who tells people um, how I run games, if I'm playing in a game and I can see that the DM either hasn't planned for it or the DM uh, is, is floundering and that sort of thing, I internally get very frustrated on their behalf i'm like oh you missed this point or you mm-hmm. could have done this and and instead you panicked and you just went with that or or uh, right. a, a lot of times for me anyway it's narrative inconsistency and it's like oh suddenly this npc is now doing this but so i i get frustrated from that perspective and that makes me quite a bad player mm-hmm. and i know this uh to be to, to be the case so uh, i have uh, been very specifically trying to um, undo that programming in my head so that I can sit back and just enjoy and relax. And with training grounds, it's actually been a lot of fun to to not have any of that pressure just to go, you know what, let's see what happens and let's just play the game. So it's actually been quite therapeutic in a way to, to undo all of that. So, that's a lot of personal um, growth, really. I mean, that's being able to look at yourself and go, okay, I know I'm doing this and I know that it's an issue or maybe it's not necessarily always fair to the person that I'm like, mm. I, I say judging, 
but I don't want that to seem as bad as it sounds. But, you know, you're you're kind of critiquing the GM silently as you're playing. And, right. you know, it comes from a place of just wanting the wanting the game to be the best that it can be. But also remembering that, you know, we have to meet people where they're at and kind of appreciate that we've all had different experiences and stuff. And that's that's really cool that you're that you're taking that kind of uh, objective view of yourself and trying to step back and grow. That's really cool. I think a lot of career GMs feel similarly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know it's something that I struggle with. I know it's something that Spike struggles with. You know, these are things where, yeah, we just, uh, you know, whenever we play in a game, we're like, can't wait to GM again. (laughs) You know, well, if I was in the chair, I would blank. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think the 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 other challenge is that you're seeing the GM, or I often see the GM, is really struggling. You know, they arrive with enthusiasm, they arrive with all of the plans and things. And the moment those plans reach the players, everything falls apart. <laughs> Typical. I, for me, the sad thing is seeing the, them seeing their plans fall apart. You see the panic of the eyes, searching their notes frantically, oh. looking for solutions, and you're sitting there going. You've you've already done it. You 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 planted the option that you could use to get out of this, or that you could do this with. You could do that with, but you can't st- suddenly step forward and say, "Hey, listen, this is how you're going to fix your problem here." Yeah. Um, you know, so 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 there is that going. I I just wish that they weren't having the the, the frantic time that they're having at this present moment. It's got to feel like watching a watching a a car accident that's about to happen. You're just like you're you're kind of gritting your teeth and you're bracing a little bit, but you know there's not a ton you can actually do about it. It's just like, oh no. Well, that's it, and and also realizing we've all been there. Oh yeah, um, yeah I was there I just last week. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's the thing. We've all been there, and and you just have to work through it, I guess. So you know when if you ever do get a GM, you know if they were to. Uh, you know, do a, a decent enough job. You know, what is that GM type that you look for? Do you, would you want another narrator? Do you think that's like mm. in your mind, the preferred form or is there another type that, that you would prefer? I, I, for me, and this is why I do these videos when we talk about the different types, I have played with a wonderful bunch of, of, um, GMs who all have their own YouTube channels. I did a series way back when called Save or Dice. Um, which had uh, some 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 of the, the the biggest names at the moment on YouTube GMs um, running games, and mm. what was so interesting to watch was that we ran through almost everybody having a turn to GM, and all of us are different types of GMs, and it was interesting to see the ones where I was going, oh my goodness, I I have to go and do this show because I've said that I'm going to be doing it. Versus the ones where I'm like, oh, yes, I get to play today because we're doing the show and, and, and this is the situation. Um, <laughs> and and it, it is, I think, very much a case of the alignment of the, 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 the GMing styles to the players. Um, and what also was interesting was to watch how these GMs have very different player styles to their GMing style, mm. which I hadn't. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. I thought, well, if you're if you're a tactician GM, you're going to be a tactician player. Oh. Meanwhile, these tactician GMs suddenly become very um, 
either sort of goofballs where they're just having fun or or they they're going in a different direction uh so so yeah maybe there's a video in that i don't know i think Um, i think that sounds to me like um you know when depending on what chair you're sitting in the, the gm chair or the pc chair um you have different resources available to you right different options and things and I feel like at least with your example with the tactician GM, you know, if you're that GM, it's almost like a like a, like a real time strategy game where you have this top down right. perspective. You have lots of units you can play with and different tools where if you're a player, you don't have that. It's more like a like a third person or first person uh, perspective where you're focused on a single individual Unless maybe you're, you know, playing a conjurer or something where you're summoning companions. But, you know, it's it's a much more focused kind of experience. So in that way, you know, the the play, uh, the play experience can really be surprisingly asymmetrical now that I think about it. I haven't yeah. really uh, sat down and thought about that before, but that's that's really interesting. Well, add into the fact that the GM not only has the the responsibility of the encounter building and mm. the adjudication, but they're also overall responsible for the 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 the, the game itself right. being fun. That's often a perceived sort of pressure. So the GM is under a very different amount of pressure as oh, well. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think you're onto something there in terms of it is it is very asymmetrical. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you've been thinking a little bit about sci-fi these days, yeah? Yes. <laughs> the, you know, and you have this game, Bounty Hunter, which is also sci-fi, yes? Yes. Um, yeah, yes. please uh, talk to us about that that theme, you know, that what you've been thinking about these days. Sci-fi has, for me, always been as great a love as fantasy in my world. I grew up uh, watching... Um, the Gummy Bears and He-Man and Master of the Universe, which is all fantasy, basically, oh, yeah. as well as watching Star Trek. Um, mm. and, and you, did, so, you did some voice work for Star Trek, as uh, I understand. It, yeah, it was a mod um, for one of their games that, that, that came out a long time ago. Mm. Um, <laughs> it was like four lines where I got to be a, 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 a Romulan commander, I think it was. Hey, it's, um, that's awesome. That's, that's not nice. Yeah, that something. was a bit of fun. There you um, go. So, so yeah, I resume. always... <laughs> Romulan Commander number five. There you go. Um, Better so, than number six. And that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've always loved sci-fi, and and my, the very first rule book that I ever purchased was Star Wars by West End Games. It was an old D6 system, which is a great mm. system. Still is a good system. Um, because my mates had already bought... Dungeons and Dragons, so I didn't need to, to, to buy another copy of that. So, Perfect. Um, yeah, with Bounty Hunter, um, the biggest challenge that you have with sci-fi is always not only do you have a rule system that you have to to, to learn or, or to use, but the, the, the challenge is, is that you have this technology barrier. What can you actually do in the future? Yeah. Uh, and it's weird because when you're running fantasy, you have magic, and magic yep. in theory can do anything. Right. Yeah, that's so what I like about it. Beautiful thing. Yeah. I don't have yeah. to know science because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. You see, and I think that that is that is partially 
the the major success of Star Wars is that mm. they will never talk about inverting their hyperdrive coils so that they can <laughs> charge a flux God. capacitor, right? <laughs> um, they won't ever do that. They'll just go shoot the the the, the bad guys. The you know. Um, Whereas with sci-fi, there is that, but there's also, you know, how, how can we record these conversations over the holonet? Can we um, walk down a corridor and not leave DNA footprints behind? And um, so it's, it's, a, it's a very complex space in order to, to, to play in. And a lot of the rule systems that I've always encountered have always been, you are either a fighter pilot or you're this or you're that. And if you are not a fighter pilot, then you can't really fly starships or you can't really do this. And, and so people tend to get very easily pigeonholed and then adventures become very difficult to balance. Mm. Um, anyway, so with Bounty Hunter, um, my partner at the time, I was introducing him to, to uh, role-playing um, and we were looking at Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of thing. And he went, well, you know, it's nice, but there's just too many D20s and D12s and D8s. going on. There's a lot happening there, and then there are all the classes, and there's 20 rule books that you have to read. And he's like, isn't there a rule, a rule system where there aren't any dice, and it's just yes or no? And mm. I said, no, there isn't, because that's a ridiculous idea. There's no such thing. This is impossible. You couldn't possibly do it. <laughs> um, because you need random dice, uh, you know, you need random dice generators, you need random number generators, you need this ability to 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 create chaos and and that sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but needless to say, this this uh, uh, person is of significant importance in my life now. We're looking to move in together and all that sort of oh, stuff. Congratulations. So I, I didn't, well, thank oh, you. That's uh, great. But I didn't just sort of dismiss it. I went, okay, well, how, how could you do a, a role playing um, game without dice and without this and that, the next thing? And we play tested it. Um, so he was ideal to play test with because he had no other role playing experience really to compare it with. So there was none of this, Perfect. oh, well, in this system, you can do that, or in this system, you can do that. Um, so it was kind of a, a free for all training ground. And then um, there was an opportunity on Kickstarter that, that just sort of came up um, where they were promoting little role playing game supplements and, and, and magazines and things called zine quest. And I went, you know, let's try and do this. Let's try and get it into zine quest. And, and, um, we did it and, and the Kickstarter launched, um, in a flurry of activity. I was busy writing the rules and, and trying to do artwork and stuff for the book. And we did the Kickstarter and after two weeks, the Kickstarter ended and someone made the very intelligent suggestion of putting a discord group together of people who wanted to support this product. And we got in a whole bunch of amazing people who came in and those rules went from about 20 pages to at least 40 pages, nice. um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it's, it's a doubling of content. I mean, it was oh, meant yeah. to be a simple system. Uh, it's still a simple system. Um, and then we, 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 we reached a stretch goal. So they said, oh, please write the universe. And I mean, what, what GM does not want to create a world that other people will come and play in? Um, for me, that's, that's, that's mm. the ultimate. It's like, I can create a space that you want to come and visit in and have fun playing in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we got to, to do that. And, and very specifically, I tried to make it as not generic as possible, but as easily as accessible as possible. So a lot of the technology that's in there is it's not highfalutin science. It's not real science, of course. 
but it's close enough that you go, oh, okay, I could get how that works. Uh, and it, it just works and it just does this and, 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 um, yeah, to try and make it as, as accessible and, and, and easy to use. Easy uh, enough to suspend your disbelief. Yes. Right. Exactly. To make you feel like you're in that space. Right. And I like that. I, I was, I was told that, uh, we should have you, um, like run us through, run us through creation. Yeah. Run us through making a character. Do you want to do that? <laughs> so uh, he said it would take like a minute. Is that true? Or is that too long? Um, well, it can take a minute. Uh, just <laughs> unfortunately, um, it, it can't be done in a minute over, over a podcast. Fair um, enough. Oh, okay. And the reason for it is the way that character creation works is that, uh, you are responsible for choosing your character's name and you're responsible for choosing the species that your character is going to be human by default. And then there are nine steps that the book takes you through. And mm. each step is a little piece out of your character's history. So the very first step is, is where you were born. And I, th- there are about, there are 12 entries that you choose from. And that ranges from, uh, you were, you were, um, orphaned as a baby and you grew up in an orphanage all the way through to you had a rich family to you were born on a spaceship. So there's, there's 12 different sort of origin stories, if you like. Mm. And each one of those has the skills that you will have access to. So you work through your, your, uh, initially it's, it's six steps and that literally will build your entire character backstory at the same time, because there's a whole little paragraph which describes your background. And then you have to input per background two names. Mm. Um, so it'll say, Oh, I really miss and then insert name. So you put in the name Polly. Um, she helped me grow up on the streets. So what mm. it's doing is you end up with a page backstory that has already been written for you. It's populated with a whole bunch of hooks for the GM to go, give me your backstory. Let me pull out some names. Who was in your past? Who, uh, was a bully towards you or who was it this, but it also has already pre-constructed all of your skills and that's pretty much it. So once you know those, those, those 12 options per step, you literally can open up the, the, the character sheet. We've got it in, in foundry VTT is, is the official sort of VTT space. You go create character and you go step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six, step seven, and you're basically done. Nice. Um, so it's really, really simple. But also the feedback that we get from people who use it, they're like, well, I love the fact that the backstory is already written for me, but part of the whole thing is you can rewrite your backstory. You can you can go mad. You can do whatever you like. But for people who either struggle with backstories or who who kind of go, well, yeah, uh, I like backstories, but uh, I don't know how to write them or I don't know what to include. Mm. This gives them a very firm basis from which to, to, to move forward. And even if you change it, you know, if, if you want different options, you can still yes. look at the questions and stuff and use exactly. that as a foundation to build your own stuff on. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, people, people have really responded well to that. They're like, oh, this is, it just makes life easy. Um, and I had the joy of running, um, a few, uh, folk yesterday through a game and they had got the book the afternoon of the game. They kind of skimmed through it and they went, okay, well, you know, this is this and this is that. 
Then we did character creation in, in Foundry VTT, um, where the longest time was them buying equipment. That I mean, mm. that pe- you know, players love shopping, and yep. they were that's what they did. Um, and then they stepped back and they were like, "Wow, we've got these, we've got these characters. Let's play." And we were playing, and and we had a great session. And they went through a giant starfighter battle, and they boarded a derelict cruiser and fought off some uh, AI robots, and they had an absolute blast. And at the end of it, they're like, "But we didn't even." finish reading the rule book and we didn't do this. I'm like, well, that is the point is that mm. the mechanics are, are so simple that oftentimes people will read the mechanics and they'll go, I'm not sure how this is even a role-playing game mm. until they play it. And then they sit back and go, holy smokes, I've, I, this was a cinematic experience. And again, because I'm a storytelling GM, the rules I write are going to be hopefully more inclined to being storytelling than to to anything else of course i gotta say andrew that sounds like right up yeah, your i was alley. just that thinking like- the same thing i was like that sounds like my jam right there baby yeah yeah that sounds really good um i i actually do want to play it that sounds like fun um so what is the best star trek <laughs> i'm just gonna open up that that trap for we're, we're gonna, gonna get so much hate mail <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting one. No, I I have to say my personal favorite Star Trek of all time is The Next Generation. Mm. Um absolutely love Deep Space 9, love Voyager, but The Next Generation on so many levels was pushing boundaries uh just as the original series did. Mm. Um but yeah, I, I you look at the stories that they were telling. I mean, these guys were making up the most amazing stories in a time when science was was coming up with crazy ideas for science, and yet I, I think the stories are fairly accessible. Um, you know, the hairstyles haven't kept up with the with the times. <laughs> That's how it always goes, man. Maybe not. That's it. But truly, truly, truly solid. I mean, um, yeah. So that would be my. My, 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 my flag is stuck on, on enterprise. Those brave. Well, of thank you. you for being brave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that's pretty safe. Um, so, you know, what, what other, uh, pieces of sci-fi are you interested in or have found inspiration with? Recently I have been, I'm absolutely in love with the expanse. I've read um, so many good yeah. things. Yeah. I've heard good things. The books apparently are always better. I have not read the books. Um, I'll be the first to say I haven't read the books, but the the Amazon production is, I think, a tour de force in in showing us as viewers really how you can actually run this as a, as, a, as an adventure because it's a bunch of four or five people in a ship changing the solar system for the better or for the worse. So it really does feel to me like a, an adventuring party going out and, and being involved. And, you know, the, the, the thing I like about the series is it's consistently had a high production quality mm. and the performances are, are, are strong. Um, having said that, I don't think anything will ever come as close to, to, to perfection as Battlestar Galactica, the remake from the early two thousands. Mm. Um, just because that series was the first time a TV series 
went, okay, we're going to make gritty stuff. We're going to make it, this is not the, the glorious romantic Star Trek stuff. This is not um, weird mind bending stuff. This is, this is hardcore end of world type of, of stuff. And we're going to ask a lot of very difficult questions and feel free to kill off principal characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would, they did it a decade before Game of Thrones came onto the scene from a, from a TV, from a television series perspective. Sure. Um, you know, and, and, and again, you look at that and you go, well, this is an ensemble cast and there's the, we can take chunks of this as adventures that our players would have an absolute blast with. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I would say those Star Trek is hugely influenced just because it's quantity. Um, but the expanse and, and Battlestar Galactic. And of course, Star Wars is in there as well, but Star Wars is in its own space. Sure. Do you consider uh, Star Wars uh, to be sci-fi? I guess that's always been kind of a debate. I, I, I don't have an opinion, but like, you know, where, where does Star Wars sit on the spectrum between fantasy and science fiction? For me, it's it's very much a fantasy space. Um, and <laughs> I will never forget the best of the the films that George Lucas made in terms of the the, the, the last three Phantom Menace clones and and, and uh, Sith, uh, the best one that was made was a fan film about fans admitting that they hated them. Um, because, <laughs> I think I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a phenomenal fan film. Um, and uh, Star Wars, the reason why I think a lot of people didn't like the, the, the films, the later ones, was because they tried to make it science. They're like, oh, you have mm-hmm. metachlorians and you have this. No, it's not about that. We have this thing called the Force, which is clearly, it's got moral areas that that you can't push against. You can't violate them. So there, there is this, this divine space yeah. that one is playing in. It might not be guided. The Force might not want you to do this or want you to do that. But if you align yourself to this or that, these things will happen. So I always consider it fantasy, and I, I I purposely do that so that in my games, my players don't end up having to to fix the hyperdrive mm. uh, using techno babble, and the adventures they don't end up in a bunch of asteroids that are leeching the power from their ships, so they have to work out how to invert the the whatever, um, <laughs> because that isn't really the the theme of it. And even if you look at Mandalorian. Where you go, well, there, well, there is some Jedi in there, possibly. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, um, <laughs> but there is still that sense of um, they're on starships and they're they're speeding around the galaxy. But there is a, still a, a strong fantastical element, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, you know, the monsters they fight are giant monsters that live under the ground or live in space, and um, it's it's yeah. I, so yes, I say fantasy. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think I tend to agree with that. Um, so you know, you must have a lot of experience at, with playing these games, and and you must have a lot of stories to tell. I wondered if you would share with us and the listeners, you know, just one of the great stories from your experience, like something that you either did as a player or that you put your players through. I always hate this question <laughs> um, because <laughs> it's like, well, what? category of wonderful experience do you want? Because um, I have had the most amazing players at my tables. And I, as a GM, 
the goal or one of the goals is to make a world that is so immersive mm. that your players feel as if they're there. So I have had a player burst into tears and, and be almost unconsolable for a while because of an outcome that I caused to happen based on what that player had done. Adam and, dreams and about they, that. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't hear anything bad happening yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I felt, I felt terrible because, you know, I don't want to make anyone cry. Well, but right. inside, deep down, there was a little devil DM going, <laughs> yes, you did it. You know, you got them to believe so much in this world um, that you did it. So I, I, I look back and, and the things that I remember are, are those wonderful moments where either, uh, not either, it's always the players have taken stuff that you have given and they've done something completely unexpected with it. And I, a, a great example was um, very briefly, my, my players uh, had a, a, a sky whale, which was basically a flying whale. And sure. It was used as a cargo ship, which they had apprehended through an illegal activity. <laughs> and it was carrying a cargo of 40 tons of beans, uh, dried beans, because... Oh, my gosh. And these are and hanging that was what from I, the whale right? or on top of the whale? Well, they're, they're on top of the whale. Oh. So he has a platform on his, on his back, and, and um, these beans are all in crates and stuff on his back. Uh, why beans? Because I did not expect them to hijack the whale and then ask me what's in the crates. <laughs> I mean, right? why I would someone have. hijack a whale? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? I anyway, would never. So, <laughs> See, and, and now I'm having that moment where I'm like, guy, why didn't you have them store the beans in the whale's mouth? Obviously, right, comedy obviously. ensues. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so they had this whale and it had beans on it and um, the party had split up. I love split parties. So, so my parties quite know. often split. Um, they'd split up and... The, the big bad that they were going to be facing at the end of the adventure had arrived to taunt them and to start hunting them down just to set up that there was a big bad and, and, and that he was going to be the, the enemy. So three of the players decided they're actually going to attack the big bad right now. Now, this is a an ethereal undead held together with necromantic magic in full black plate mail riding on an adult white dragon. And the players are about level three. No big deal. <laughs> No big deal. We're just going to charge at it. So they okay. charge towards this guy, right? I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know why they were doing it. Maybe they're just trying to end the session early. Uh, nonetheless, that's what they're doing. But one of them thankfully messages the other player on the whale and says, look, we're going into battle. Come and join us. So this player goes, no, nah, I think that's a dumb idea. You're all going to die. But anyway, so then the, hmm. the, the, the battle in inverted commas starts um, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, the paladin forsakes his oath to his God. And, um, I throw, I throw in this vision for the paladin of his companions all turning into ghosts. And, um, anyway, so this, this whole battle's going on and they losing horribly. The villain is just taunting them. And I'm using it as a, as a lesson to, to show them how powerful the villain is. And the next moment, the player who's on the sky wheel says, okay, well, I take off. I, I, I take the reins of the sky wheel and I take her up into the air. And you go, okay, sure, that's fine. You, you do what you do. 
And they say, all right, so I'm going to fly over the dragon who is busy taunting all of the other players who are are busy dying. And I am going to cause the whale to roll onto her belly and drop 40 tons of beans onto the bad guy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Lord. And I'm like, well, that's brilliant. How much damage do you take from having 40 tons of beans dropped on you? Well, it's 40 tons of anything. It doesn't matter. 40 tons Um, of feathers, bricks. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So I went, okay, well, that is going to do a significant amount of damage. (laughs) To Um, say the least. Right. There's no rule book. There's no entry I could find <laughs> on how much damage 40 tons does. Here it is. One ton um, of beans does this yeah. much. Okay, just times 40. P- easy peasy. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. So they destroyed the dragon, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, they oh destroyed the dragon. But what I, what I, what was quite funny was I said, okay, well, 40 tons of beans is going to fill up a large space. <laughs> so everyone has to make dexterity saving throws to get out of the way of these beans and, 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 and so on. But the one character who'd been taunting this dragon and had been really um, aggressive and, and, and a little bit fool, foolish in, in, in a way, they had been frozen on the spot directly underneath the dragon. Oh, oh boy. God. And they just look up. I'm like, you look up and you just see 40 tons of darkness descend upon you. <laughs> And uh, so they died. Um, and the paladin was like, oh, my God, I foresaw this. When I when I forsake my God, I saw my friends turning into ghosts, and now it's just happened. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's the plan. That's, the that's plan. definitely <laughs> what has just happened right now. Yep, I knew the beans were coming. Anyway, so that that's one of my, oh my, my favorite God. stories is, is death by 40 tons of beans. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I think that next time you ask that question, you should just tell exactly that same story. That's a great story. Right. That is <laughs> the objective, correct answer to the question. <laughs> yeah, it really right. was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Um, I love it. Uh, man. Well, we are starting to run out of time. We know that you're you're off to, to take on more challenges. Um, but... You know, is there anything you wanted to to kind of leave the listeners with some last piece of advice? I mean, I know that that's your, your whole thing is advice, but like, you know, either advice or plugs or anything else you want to talk about? Well, I think just in terms of advice, I, I absolutely always maintain that as long as you and your group are having fun whilst role playing, you're doing it right. Mm. And don't let anybody say, oh, well, you're not like so-and-so. Well, sure, you're not like we. Are, no one is like anybody else. Mm-hmm. You are unique. So, if your group is having fun and keeps coming back week after week, then that is a winning game. That is the best game that you can you can hope to have. Uh, however, if you are finding that your groups fall apart or they don't meet regularly or there's excuses being made, then it's time for some very earnest self reflection. And I do it all the time and it leads you down places and you go, well, maybe I'm actually, I'm the wrong fit for this group mm. and I need to find a different group and to not be afraid to do that. If I can role play with people in Japanese in a language I don't even speak, anybody can find anybody. The internet is, has, has made sure of that. And with all of the, the, the COVID and stuff, we now all know how to use Zoom and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, have true. fun. And if you're not having fun, go find it somewhere else. There you it's go. It's out there. Very good. 
Well, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with us and your experiences. It's been awesome having you. Sure has. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I've got about 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, since we have just a couple minutes, I want to throw this at you because Spike asked us in our chat. He said, ask Guy how to deal with difficult players who are too clever for their own good and always turn scenarios on their head. Asking for a friend, big smiley face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Players who are difficult or, 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 or who are too clever for their own good, as you say, you have to look at those players and you need to understand why they're there. Mm. And if they are there just to prove that they're smarter than the GM or that they are the smartest person at the table... I would seriously question why are they at that table? Mm. What is it that, that, that if, if you like someone proving that they're better than you, um, well, that's fine. That's your personal choice. But I think that it's very easy for someone who's got a very quick, ma- uh, quick mind mm. to find solutions and to, de- to derail these things. I mean, this is a fantasy game. You are making stuff up as you go along. So if you're very quick at doing that and yeah. you can sort of work the system, you're winning an imaginary game. Well done. Um, you can collect your imaginary trophy at the door on your way out. Here's your no prize. Uh, yes, exactly. So, you know, in the past, I would try and say, okay, well, you should talk to the person mm. and try and understand why they're doing it and try and try and try and find middle ground. And I do believe that that is still true. Uh, I also believe though, that some people, they just like to be right. And because, as we spoke about earlier, role-playing is the space where, for a lot of people, it feels like you're in control. Mm. So you want to to be able to to show that in this space, you are the smartest or you are the, 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 the clever one. Yeah. That you can forget that you are not alone and that this is a group exercise. Yeah. And I think that social contract is really, really important to remind people about. Um, because I, our hobby, I think, tends to lend itself towards people who are not always the most socially aware individuals. Sure. And no, that's you're right. more because the world of the mind is more interesting than, than, than socializing. So reading those cues and things, oftentimes it's, it's just a skill that hasn't been developed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It can be very tricky, though. Uh, to do that. I know that if, if I play in a Star Trek game and the GM doesn't know Star Trek, it's so oh, yeah. easy for me to say, oh, well, I'm just going to run a multi-spectral scan. And of course, you know that that means that that sh- reveals everything. Um, the heck's a multi-spectral you know, the GM scan? <laughs> exactly. It, it's, it spectrals the multis, oh, right? Oh, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Ooh, yeah. Now That's I about as much as I understand about it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That is why I'm yeah. much more of a Star Wars guy. That's it. Because <laughs> the, the Force did it. The force yes, did it. moving on. Yes, you bet. The Force uh, did it. <laughs> um, totally cool. Do you have like one more minute? Like, sure. Or okay. Yeah. So go for it. our our um our, our sort of catchphrase, if you will, on this, which which is not original, but our 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 main you know raison d'être is basically the secret and ingredient is love. We think that love makes good role-playing games and so i wanted to know this is a question i often ask people is how has love informed your experience with this game wow that's a question 
That's I know. You know, I just I answer know, it that, in a minute. Just, no just, problem. Just on the way. Oh, in a minute. Just on the yeah. way. Yeah. Out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just on the way. Up, just oh, casually. Oh God. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Right. Well, in my case, how has love informed this game for me? How is love in this game? I got into it because of that. That friend of mine in school that sh- was was creating character sheets. I had the biggest crush on him. <laughs> And if he had done skydiving, I would have taken up skydiving. <laughs> sure. But yeah. he was doing role playing, and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in that space. Mm, that's and adorable. It has it has remained that way to this day. I mean, the role playing system Bounty Hunter. I wrote that for for my boyfriend so that he could role play with me. Mm. Um, you know, and to show the amount of geekery that goes on in my life is on our first date. He had created a random table that I would roll a D6 on, and that would determine whether we could hold hands or just walk next to each other. Oh, man. Right? My gosh. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, you're <laughs> a new one, that. but you're a keeper. Uh, I, I can see you being around for a long time. So, yeah, that was seven months ago. So, like, like, that's that's it's pretty good going so far. Oh, that's great. So, yes, love has definitely been at my table um, since the very beginning, and, and I hope it will be there until the very end. Oh, my God. What a great answer. There we go. (laughs) The only answer better would be if you love 40 tons of beans. (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact. Who doesn't? uh, Who doesn't? Well, I I don't cook. I hate cooking. It is uh, is the devil's work. You have to be an artist to cook. I am not. Uh, The only dish that I will actually make, and uh, I think it's, it's featured on my show once or twice, I make a dish called four bean surprise mm. and the surprise is that there are actually five beans. Uh, <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. I don't eat nope. any food with surprise <laughs> in the name. My mom made macaroni surprise once I've told this to Adam and she snuck tuna into it. And, um, Oh my God, I was <laughs> it's just the worst. Thing. I had all my friends over and everything. It was like during the summer, <gasps> we were like 10. We were all cranked up oh. for some good old craft Mac and cheese. And she sticks tuna yes. in it. And I was like, this, this, this feels wrong. Mom. What, what? <laughs> just, I, I, I feel like I just need to apologize to you guy on behalf of all of America for all of our food. You know? <laughs> it's just, just, it's just kind of terrible oh all goodness. over. Oh I won't. I love our food. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, when I, the last time I was in the states for Gen Con, I think I put on about ten pounds. That uh, tracks. In, yeah, I, I was there for a month, but you know, it, it was it was great. I I went from San Diego through Los Angeles to Minneapolis Ooh. and then to Indianapolis, and in every one of those great cities, I was taken to the best Mexican restaurant in the oh, U.S. Yeah. As far as the locals were concerned, uh, that that was amazing. I don't know. That's that's Mexican food, not not U.S. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you, you guys have got some amazing ideas. I, that was the first country I ever had uh, mac and cheese on pizza. And <sighs> that's a that's a carb fest, but I have to say, I I, I quite liked it. There you go. <laughs> sure, what's well, not the like? It. I, <laughs> yeah. Bread and cheese, you can't <laughs> screw you that up. Go wrong. Not sure anyone yeah. would blame you. <laughs> no, you know, then you, you you go to Japan and you end up with with slices of roast potato. Uh, um, sweet corn and mayonnaise on, on a pizza. Huh. Um, and yeah, it's actually nicer than it sounds. <laughs> it, it must be. That's definitely got to be on the bucket list is, is Japan one of these days. It just, 
oh, you got to go. It's an amazing place. Absolutely yeah. amazing place. I, uh, I, I lived in France for a couple of years and that was, oh, okay. um, yeah, and holy crap. The food there, just everywhere. Just amazing. Yes. Just everybody. It's just, just yeah. Off the chain. Anyway, thank All you right. so much. I know that, w- that we have used up your time. So thank no, you so much for coming on and hanging out with us. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for hanging out with us. Um, thank you again to Guy. That was quite an experience and um we were extremely grateful to have you on the show uh if you would like to check him out make sure to just search how to be a great gm and you'll find all his stuff um most notably over on youtube and if you'd like to find us you can go to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and if you would like to connect with us on facebook twitter or support us on patreon There are three little bubbles on our website. If you're on desktop, the three little bubbles are going to be in your upper right-hand corner. If you're on mobile, it's going to be in the top middle. Um, And just click on the one you like, head on over, and send us a message or pledge if you want to uh, uh, back us on Patreon. Um, Lastly, I want to make sure that we do not forget to thank our loyal patrons spike kate Fallingor, and logan so thank you all Good job. for thank you i was like i'm gonna get this i'm gonna nail it um so thank you everybody for hanging out with us this was a super fun time and just remember that even if you are hesitant or doubting your own gming skills you too can be a great gm and until next time stay inspired Bye. Bye Bye-bye, everybody.